everyone, my name is Mia Cecilia. I am the editor of Castle 2021. I'm going to tell you a bit about the Committee on International Market and Consumer Protection, or as you might know it as, IMCO. The topic overview and the theme reads as follows. All cards on the table. With the European Commission set to propose a vaccination card for EU citizens by 2022, immunological's concerns are giving their place to data privacy ones with a significant number of EU citizens being alarmed by the collection and utilization of such data regarding their vaccination records. How can the EU ensure the safety and non-discrimination of its citizens ahead of its launch of its vaccination passports? We have all been more or less affected by the COVID-19 pandemic over the past year. Some have been sick, some know people who have. Some might even have lost family, friends or acquaintances to the virus. Many people are waiting for the world to open again and to be able to travel, to go to concerts and to hopefully soon have normal everyday life come back. As a step in the right direction, the EU has been discussing implementing a vaccine passport as a certificate making it easier for the EU member states to make guidelines on who to let travel into the country and who will still have to show test results or be denied access. Some countries have already implemented such. As you can read in the topic overview, Denmark has been planning on implementing the vaccination passports and as of week 14, they have been implemented and rolled out for use in the country. This means that the citizens need to show on an app if they have been vaccinated and if not, they need to show a negative test not older than 72 hours. This is something that has been discussed widely throughout all of Europe and especially in the EU as there have been some concerns on the GDPR and on the protection of personal privacy. By showing a test or, an, or a vaccination passport, you immediately give everyone access to the information you have. You might not share your social security number or directly tell all your personal data but you are forced in some way to show if you have been tested, if you have been vaccinated and what the status is. However, the vaccination passport is still something that's being discussed in the EU as it would allow for more travel. It would allow for the world to open up again. Vaccine passports are not new. We have um, had vaccination cards before. In 1969, they were known as the yellow cards. And back then it was to combat the spread of the yellow fever. Also in 2018, this was something to be discussed. As you know, COVID-19, the first small steps of it started in November 2019. So this was just a year before the European Commission developed a five-year roadmap where they were detailing a process of how to use a common vaccination card. This vaccination card could be for all kinds of diseases, no matter if it was the yellow fever, the flu, or in this case, COVID-19, which of course was not known by then. But rolling out such a concept and such a vaccination passport also requires quite a technical platform. A digital vaccination certificate will need to be approved by all the countries of EU in order to function fully because it does not work if you have it on an app, but it is not approved in specific countries. Therefore, there needs to be made a general guideline and a direction to put it in so that people know what platforms to trust and how their data is being handled. It's important that the data handling is the same throughout all of Europe 
and all of EU at least. So this is also why it is being discussed if the GDPR should play a bigger role than it's doing already. Some countries have opposed these ideas. This counts, for example, France and Germany, who are, as you can say, some of the big players in the EU, being some of the biggest country and most populated countries of the Union. Here they are focusing on the societal and economic pressure that you put onto the member states. You ask and urge the states to implement a concept that will take plenty of resources to fully adapt to and fully implement. And it will also be societal, societal as you can see how some people have easier access to vaccines than others. Some countries might have a limited amount of vaccines um, available for their citizens. Some countries have only been able to vaccinate a very small percentage of their population. And when you look at other countries, they've been able to vaccinate much more because they have had a vaccine strategy and some economic resources in the state and in the government that has made them able to actually buy more vaccines. If you look at the WHO, they have published everyday updates on how many have been vaccinated. And currently, some of these countries that have been leading will be the UK, who have vaccinated a massive amount of people because they have been able to buy the vaccines. The UK is not anymore in the EU and therefore not part of the vaccination passport strategy. But if you look at some of the other countries, counting Denmark, Norway, um, Malta, then you have smaller countries to, um, to compare. Denmark being a member state, have vaccinated more than 5% of their population now with the first jab, whereas only a good 3% have gotten both vaccination jabs. A country as Norway has gotten a bit more, but it's still close to the same level. Norway as well is not in the European Union, so they have different strategies, but they will still be able to do some comparison. To fully understand the topic when you're going to debate this, there are some key terms that you need to be aware of. The vaccination card is the one I mentioned before with the yellow fever. And this is one of the very important key terms as they are the documents to be shown as proof of your vaccination upon entry to a country or a venue. For the EU vaccination cards, they will mainly be targeted at traveling. However, when you look at the national ones, for example, the Danish coronavirus passport, those are to give you access to many other things as well, discounting restaurants, museums, hairdressers and everything related to it. Also the universities and the high schools, even middle schools are requiring the Corona passport in order to let you into it and to let you enter. Data privacy is one of the other key terms that you need to remember because this will be something that will be commonly referred to talking about GDPR. It's the practice in which an individual's information is viewed by only the people that have been granted the permission to do so and as well only used for the intended purpose for which consent was granted. This is where the gray zone is, because have you actually granted your consent to show your coronavirus passport or your vaccine card to whoever it might be when you're entering a country, when technically you do not have a choice to enter? Is it then your consent or is it something you're being forced to? These are some of the main discussion points. Fundamental human rights might also be a key term you will meet when you discuss this. The rights you have and are held by any and every person that enjoy a high level of protection from state interference 
unless in an exceptional case such as one of emergency. We could say that at the moment we are in a state of emergency, since the COVID-19 pandemic is nothing we have been able to prepare for. However, as you can also see it, we have now been in the pandemic for more than a year. Many countries have been able to adapt to it slowly, however progressive. But it might still be state interference when they force you to potentially import, implement a vaccine passport. On the other hand, the vaccine passport gives you many opportunities to start traveling again, to get, let the economic grow again, let everyone be able to do the things they have most likely been missing for so long. The vaccination rollout is also something you will hear about. And this is another word for the strategies on how the countries are giving the vaccines to the population and how they launch and sustain access to the vaccines to the public. Some of the main stakeholders, the main actors, will definitely be the member states of the European Union. Those are the ones to make the decision, those are the ones to discuss which will, which will happen, and they are the ones who can share the competences, which also is relevant to, for example, the countries who have rolled out national vaccine passports. Not only the member states are important, also the European Commission, part of the European Parliament, is some of the core actors in this. They are the ones to be developing the frameworks for the vaccine um, passport. And they will have departments as executive agency for health and for the directorate general for health, where they facilitate uh, cohesion and administer the research that's imperative to the success of the passport. Those are the ones who make everything go as smooth as possible. The European citizens are the ones affected. They are, of course, members of the member state. They vote for the ones they believe can speak their opinions in the parliament. But the citizens will definitely be the ones affected and this will might be some of the things that you're going to hear about when you discuss the topic. At last we have WHO, the World Health Organization, that works closely with both the European Union, the member states, even the citizens. Those are the ones who will look only from a health perspective, not from the economic perspective, not from the social perspective of what you want, but only from a health perspective, with which of course can also implement your mental health. You can go read your topic overview to get a full overview of this and go to read all the links and sources to get an even better grasp of what's been going on during this pandemic, how the vaccine passports are to be rolled out and what the main actors are. See you in the next podcast. Rushcast.